to the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. Connecting you with experts and trendsetters who are leading innovation in law enforcement, private security, and personal protection. And now, your host, Adam Wills. Hey everybody, welcome to episode two of the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. I'm so glad you tuned in for today's show. I've got an awesome guest today. I'll be interviewing Carrie Wooten of Mindset Enterprise. Now Carrie and her team, they are focused on training up law enforcement and public safety leaders with a growth mindset so that they can affect morale and retention within your agency as well as increase the quality of services that you are providing to your community. Now you're going to hear that Carrie and I actually have known each other for several years as I was part of her training back when I was an undersheriff. And I got to say the the quality of training that her and her team are providing, it's completely innovative and, and very unique. And so we're going to talk about that a bit today. You're going to get to hear about what it is that they offer that is so different. Uh, but you're also going to hear that Carrie has a very unique story uh, that's really interesting about what led her to be so passionate about training public safety leaders. Uh, so I can't wait for you to hear uh, her story and her background as a, a law enforcement veteran herself. But she's also going to share something new with us today that her and her husband, who is a Marine veteran, uh, have been working on. And this is going to be a program that is intended to bring well-needed resources to our nation's veterans and law enforcement in these trying times that we're seeing uh, right now in our country for law enforcement. So with that, let's go ahead and get started with my interview with Carrie Wooten of Mindset Enterprise. Carrie, welcome to the Public Safety Innovators Podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. Uh, you and I have actually spoken before. We know each other a little bit. But obviously, with the the name of this podcast being Public Safety Innovators, uh, I was super excited to get you on the show and talk about what you are working on, because I think that what, what you're doing is uh, sort of the epitome of innovation in the public safety space. And so um, thanks for coming on. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm glad you started this podcast. There's not another one like it. So thanks for kind of being the liaison to the rest of us out there trying to make it work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of my uh, bird-brained idea, if you will. I, <laughs> I, we, we haven't unpacked this a whole lot on the show to this point yet. And so it's a really um, good point to draw out, uh, you know, that it is unique. It's a unique idea. And the reason I wanted to do this was because, as you know, I uh, previously was a law enforcement administrator myself, and uh, you know I took pride in bringing innovative ideas into my agency. You know, I, I was kind of anti-status quo, if you will, and mm -hmm. uh, buck, bucked back against the the idea of the good old boys club and the way we've always done it. Um, th those are things that I've never been a fan of, and so. Uh, you know, it was always my desire and intention to find uh, in innovative concepts, whether those were training related or you know, related to some sort of a product that uh, was out there on the market that I could utilize to uh, train my, my deputies or make them safer, do our jobs more effectively or communicate with the community more effectively. Um, and I always found it difficult to find those sort of things, you know, the, the most innovative ideas very rarely get the most attention and, and light. And so right. I wanted to start this podcast to help bring those concepts to light. And like I said, I think um, you are uh, the perfect fit with what you're doing over at Mindset Enterprise. And so uh, enough about me and, and my silly ideas. I'd love to hear <laughs> uh, you tell us about what you're doing. And let's start with, you know, share with us what is it really that Mindset Enterprise does as far as uh, what's the problem, the biggest problem that you guys are trying to solve? Right. So we have innovative solutions, but not 
innovative problems. We address all the elephants in the room, like mental health challenges and public safety and negative culture and toxic leadership. So all the really big ones, we just actually talk about it. <laughs> it's really the only thing that makes us different. I, I love that. Innovative solutions, but not innovative problems. Is that is that something you've used before or did you just come up with that now? You know, I, I am going to take credit. I did just come up with it. So let's go ahead and save that one for later. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to write that one down. That one's pretty good. Um, that, I think that uh, that really articulates well exactly what you're doing because we're talking about uh, problems that exist kind of by human nature and, yeah. and certainly within an organizational structure, especially when we're talking about a lot of people that are generally type A personalities, right? And so mm-hmm. um, the you're, you're not dealing with anything new, you're just taking a new approach to it. So why don't you tell us about that? Sure. So we have the hard conversations and what really makes a lot of our programming different and a lot of you know, my perspective when I started this company a couple of years ago was we have all of this leadership training and we have all of this training about how to influence others, how to take care of others, you know, how to get buy-in from uh, our followers, our employees, our teams. And that's all important. Those are important skills. But where we really plateau and I see us lacking in our organizations is we don't look at ourselves first. We don't have this personal development foundation, this emphasis on personal development and how it applies to our professional development. You know, there's a lot of that old school train of thought still very prevalent of personal and professional are separate. They shouldn't ever come together. Well, if that's the case, you have two different people in one that's working for you and you don't want two different people. Right? You want those personal values, those personal beliefs, those personal goals. You want them amplified by whatever their profession is and whatever their roles are. So we just take that personal development approach. We build up leaders from the inside out, and we build organizations from the inside out. So then we're getting that traditional success of you know, improved communication, improved uh, community service, you know, whatever the success is metrics are of your agency. We get to all of that. We just start from the innermost values, the innermost training first. I think that's so important to, to recognize that that is in fact where leadership training has to start. It's Mm -hmm. with the leader, right? You've got to be almost mature enough to be introspective, recognize what your strengths or weaknesses are and how to adjust for those. And uh, I, I just love that that's the way your, your training is focused is, is about learning about yourself first and who you are as a leader because I see too often uh, with, I don't want to use the word failed, maybe that's the, the wrong word to use here. So if you come up with a better one, <laughs> tell me, but, but with uh, leadership that is less than successful, it's right. usually because they approach a problem by saying everybody else is the problem and needs to be fixed. And it's not about me and what I'm doing or how I'm doing it. And I think that's really important. Exactly. You're right. It's a, a lack of ownership because it's hard. And especially if you're talking in an industry where you have a lot of type A, high ego. I mean, I have that personality too. It just sounds a little bit different because I'm one of the rare females in the industry as well. But it's, we all yeah. have that similar public safety personality. It takes a type of person. And with that, well, you don't want to be vulnerable and transparent. And I still make, you know, command staffs, chief sheriffs, that's a lot of who I train. I still get them uncomfortable in their seat when I say, all right, let's get vulnerable. Let's have some real conversations. It's the last thing that they want to do because no one likes living in that space. No one likes living in that uncomfortable space, especially when they have been a formal leader for so many years. You know, they have their expertise or knowledge base. They know their job. I mean, they, they know all of those things. So then when it's, hey, how do you authentic, authentically lead? How do you actually create culture change? Oh, let's start with where you're weak. Let's start with your mistakes. Let's start with your own communication gaps and barriers, and then we'll move forward. But it's getting through that tough stuff first. 
I, I'm recalling back here as you're sharing this with me, I, I'm remembering back to when I, I sat in on one of your classes, uh, back when I was uh, an undersheriff with uh, the Yuma County Sheriff's Office in Colorado. You'd mm-hmm. come out and and put on one of your courses at the Sheriff's and Undersheriff's Conference uh, mm-hmm. one year. And I remember looking around the room and seeing <laughs> the discomfort on, on people's faces. and. Yeah. Um, that <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's, it's just not the type of thing when we're, like you said, type a, it's uncomfortable for us to look inwardly and do some of those activities that seem a little bit too personal. Exactly. And, you know, I don't love being the person that makes everyone uncomfortable in the room. It's not really my favorite part of what I do, but I do love being having the opportunity to say, hey, I'm not here to cheerlead. I'm not here to tell you what you want to hear, but I am here to give you what you need because I know that you want more success in your organization. I know that you want the best people around you. So I'm okay with taking on kind of that hardship of, all right, you guys aren't overly excited that I'm here possible. I know you're uncomfortable, but we'll work through it. You know, here, here we are. <laughs> it, it'll it'll look better at the end of the day if you can just push through the heart of me for a few a few minutes or a few hours. I think people that are listening to the podcast right now are maybe wondering, okay, well, what what is it that she makes people do that's <laughs> so awkward and uncomfortable, right? And so let's maybe let's remove a little bit of mystery from that, yeah. just so um, we don't scare people off by thinking, you know, you're making them, uh, I, I don't know. Why don't you share with us? Sure. What? Sure. What, what makes people so uncomfortable? It's honestly, it's nothing crazy. So don't be scared. I mean, I am, I am nice. I am approachable. My training team is incredible, but we talk about leading through fear, you know, what our actual fears are and uh, can we control them? How do we leverage our fears to effectively lead our teams? because we all have them, but we try to bury them, especially in public safety. Um, so how do we conquer that? You know, what is our personal mission? What makes a, gives us fulfillment? You know, those things that we don't really prioritize our time to think about, especially I see it's, it's in the corporate space, but I see it so much more in your public safety and military because you do have these genuine servant hearts, right? I mean, everyone will risk it all for a stranger. Everyone's truly serving to the core, thinking about themselves last. And while it is noble and it is admirable and it's highly respected, if you don't take care of yourself and if you don't self-reflect and say, where am I strong? Where do I struggle? You know, do I actually have good communication skills? You know, do I uh, effectively empower my team and ask for their input, even if I know the answer? You know, how do I do all of these things? And how do I take care of myself? How do I be proactive with my own mental health challenges that are going to come in this industry? How do I do all of those things? Because at the end of the day, if you don't do that first, you're going to plateau your leadership because you can't pour into others with an empty cup. Yeah. So we do a lot of that personal reflection and and it's hard, it's uncomfortable, but it's to each their own, right? It's your own reflection. I don't tell you how to do it. Right. So I I don't want you to give away all of your trade secrets here, but do you walk people through any sort of a uh, assessment to be able to understand those things about themselves? Because those are hard things Mm -hmm. to recognize, right? It's hard to say, you know what, I don't communicate with people well in this sort of scenario, or, you know, maybe I receive communication in a different way than what people intend it to be. I mean, communication in and of itself, you mentioned that as one variable amongst many, but that that's a huge one. And there's a lot yes. to unpack just in that. So how do you get people to start to recognize some of those things about themselves? Because if you just ask them to, hey, start to think about, you know, how well you receive communication, I mean, we're we're really not effectively going to come up with any sort of insight. You've got to have that guided, right? Exactly. So I have a handful of different tools, different assessments I use based on exactly what we're doing that day. Um, But I use, when we talk about communication or even 
um, rapport building and mindset. I use a growth mindset assessment. Okay, if we're going to talk about performance and challenges and how you lead and fear, well, let's find out here and now with an assessment if you have a growth or you, or a fixed mindset. How do you actually mm-hmm. act upon your challenges? What do you do? Not what do you tell others to do? Because we've all done. I know I've done it. I've told people to do one thing, and then immediately, like, well, I didn't do that yesterday. Maybe I should yeah. adjust my own behavior. And and it happens because we're human. There's nothing. It's not about being perfect, right? There's a difference in being perfect and being professional, 100%. But we do that growth mindset assessment so they can get that awareness. We go through our strengths and our weaknesses, and we actually list them, and they get daily journaling um, implementation strategies for positive mental health with positive psychology practices. They get the self-reflection of strength and weakness training, and then we add you know, an exercise to it. So how are we actually growing each and every day? So when I train, we give them the six hour, the eight hour, whatever it is, the training, but then we create action plans that last weeks and months later. So it's not a training that's in one ear and out the other. How long does that usually take? All my assessments are, are short. Um, you know, they're subcategorized and they are, they're kind of that 10 minutes, um, assessment process. And then again, depending on what I, what I do, I have another partner who is a data analyst at a Capitol Hill. She's also a behavioral specialist. Um, she's probably going to be joining some of my training programs here shortly. Um, because we mostly train department of education and corporate leadership together. But so she gets to do all of that for me or she'll pull her, um, you know, university board and everything else. And we'll get a bunch of psychologists to write it for us, which is really cool. So as we do it, they're 10 minute increments because I know I don't want to sit down and take a 90 minute assessment on anything, let alone about myself and the things I am successful and maybe less than at. (laughs) It's the last thing I want to do. So I don't put anybody else through that. So we do these mindset assessments. We do these um, circle of influence. This is probably the most uncomfortable one because it's about you and the people closest to you. We do a circle of influence assessment and we actually rate the positive and negative influences um, in our life. You know, if I have five people and sometimes it gets, it's either this great epiphany and people feel a sense of relief or they discover that their spouse and their best friend are the two most toxic people in their life. And then conversations get even more challenging. Oh man, you're really stirring the pot. (laughs) I know, I know. Trust me, it gets really, like this is not a marriage counseling class. This is just about you. (laughs) Um, But again, I mean, that self-awareness especially in public safety, we know that relationships become difficult. And we know that, you know, we will target those we love most when we are stressed, right? Or we'll avoid them. Okay, we don't give them what they need. And we know that that's highly relevant in public safety. So again, it's the elephant in the room of let's be proactive. We know that at some point in your career, it's going to go home with you. We know at some point in your career, you are going to make a decision that you know may or may not work out. That's anywhere, right? And you're going to have to take ownership of that decision. We know at some point in your career, you're going to have trauma, whatever that means. Okay, we know all of these things that come with the industry. So why do we dance around it for 10 or 15 years? Let's just train on it right now, give you the psychological strategies to use daily. Let's create these positive habits so you are better prepared for all of these challenges that we know are coming to you and your organization anyway. Yeah, we almost sort of fail to deal with the actual problem. And instead, what we want to do is we want to fix the result of the problem. Mm-hmm. And so we, like you said, we dance around these issues when we recognize that they are there and, and they're uh, almost a guarantee. Uh, especially if you're, you're in law enforcement for a career, you know, th- those sort of things, like you said, they're going to happen and there are consequences or a result from those things that, that often lead to, um, poor performance in, in many different areas. 
uh, leadership being one of them. And so why not prepare ourselves for those things rather than waiting for them to happen and then dealing with the result? Right. We have, we have this tendency of this knee-jerk reaction, which even though we know it doesn't work, we still use it time and time again. And so it is, it's like anything, if we can get ahead of it, if we can train the muscle, if we can train our mindset, if we can, you know, become, have a growth mindset and instill that in the culture of our organization. Well, now you start building that foundation for the big issues that everyone will talk about. And that's issues in morale and toxic leadership and retention. You know, no one has any issues getting training on recruiting, retention, and employee engagement, but we actually need to be taking care of those things 10 steps prior to where we're inserting most of those training topics. Yeah. Most of the training you're doing, or, or maybe even it's all of it, it's it's directed toward leadership, right? So I do both now. I actually oh, okay. started at the top. <laughs> Um, I started with command and staff, and then that segued into training opportunities for some of the annual chief and sheriff conferences, um, some different things like that. And then basically we adjusted or changed marketing um, to, hey, helping the top is great, but you're still just one piece to the organizational puzzle. You know, why do we hold off on leadership training until you actually have formal rank. It kind of yeah. goes back to that, you know, Agreed, why do we, yeah. yeah, why do we have an officer or a deputy on Friday? They now get pinned to a sergeant, and on Monday we magically think that they can lead everybody. Well, if yeah. we didn't give them the tools, I mean, nothing changed except the color of their badge. <laughs> yep. You know, we can't, we can't, it's not, I don't like using the word fair, but for lack of a better word, it's not fair to have that unrealistic expectation if we didn't give that training before or go to that concept of everyone is a leader, I mean, go to whether it's corrections or patrol, it doesn't matter. Well, your inmates and your public, they don't see the guys at the top. Yeah. That's not who they interact with. I mean, if you're talking street side, it's your rookie that actually has more public involvement than anybody else in the organization. Absolutely. You know, so why don't they get that training? Because they are leading, right? They're commanding a scene if they're the first ones there. It might change later, but they're definitely leading citizens and leading those around them. So we need to get it as early as possible. So we're not trying to fix bad habits when they've been practicing them for 20 years. I think that's awesome that you are taking that holistic approach now from bottom to top, top to bottom. I'm curious, though, in your experience, in training these different, I'll, we'll just say they're subsets, if you will, of law enforcement and leadership. Is there any advantage specifically to affecting change and growth from the bottom up, the top down, or the middle mm-hmm. out? I mean, is there is there a difference between those? There, de- there definitely is. So my ideal training scenario, and we've actually been able to do a lot of it this year, since we took everything interactive online, um, obviously due to COVID restrictions, but the best scenario is to have all levels in one classroom. And if you have it from different agencies, then you're not, you don't have to worry about, you know, this guy with five years actually talking to his own supervisor, you know, they can be a little more open, but then it's this well-rounded big picture learning opportunity because you get the captain who can say, this is where I, you know, this is the view from where I am. This is what we see. And then you can get the guys with five, 10 years on who maybe don't have formal rank yet, but at least know how to do their job can say, well, this is what it actually looks like for us. And so not only do we grow and train, but in real time, we get to close a lot of those communication gaps because we've, we've all seen it or experienced ourselves or done it. Where we say, well, when I get promoted, I won't do that. Well, I was never <laughs> like that when I, you know, yeah. I wasn't like that when I was a rookie. I was uh, everybody probably will do that thing and probably was like that, <laughs> right? But yeah. the the lens changes as it should. Yes, it does. 
Yep. But that's that's where our communication communication gaps really happen is because we do separate. Hey, command and staff, you're going to get training. Hey, uh, you know, mid level supervisors, you'll get training. Okay, well, guys at the bottom, you're working on basics. We're actually not going to give you that just yet. You have to work your way up. And the only way to close those gaps is to actually give everyone the same kind of training. And then just have them apply it in what is most relevant for their current job description. Yeah, I love that. And you're right. That lens does, it absolutely changes. Uh, you know, I, I, I had that perspective when I was a line level deputy. I'm like, oh, when I, when I become a supervisor, I'm not going to do <laughs> this thing or that thing. And I am going to do this thing and that thing. And then when you actually get there and you're in that seat, you're going, oh, okay, it looks a little different from here than what right. I thought, you know? And, um, I, I used to think that my, uh, my sergeants sat in their office and just looked at YouTube videos all night. <laughs> um, <laughs> and boy, did my perspective change uh, I when, when I became that guy. And, you know, I think the, honestly, I think the the best antidote to that sort of thing when we're dealing with culture inside of an agency is, is transparency. And I think mm -hmm. transparency starts with, like you said, training people for a position that they don't yet possess. Um, and, and really kind of giving people those skills and things that they need in order to naturally progress into that next leadership level. But it's also about admitting when you don't know something. And, and that used to be my, one of my guys actually coined the, the phrase um, for me because he really liked that he could come to me and ask me a question and I would tell him, I don't know. <laughs> right. right. And that just seems so simple. But um, the experience that, that this particular individual had with the previous supervisor was every time he asked a question, he would get an answer. The problem was sometimes those answers were made up and not always the most accurate. And so I think we, we have to leverage uh, transparency uh, in all levels. And, and I don't know is a powerful response because it garners you respect and uh, you don't need to take a position that I know everything. Exactly. And it's, and, and I experienced this personally. And of course, when we train as well, it's, there's nothing more relieving than realizing you don't have to know everything. Well, I mean, what, what an insane burden to carry. It's impossible. Yeah. It, exactly. It's impossible. And like you said, I don't know. It feels good. It's, it's great. And it does open that, oh, this supervisor's just a real person. They're in a supervisory role, but they don't have it all figured out. They are developing, you know, they're making the best decisions that they know how to make right now. You know, they grow a little bit, they learn something, maybe they would they'll change that decision like we do everything else. But you get to have that conversation of, guess what? Not only leaders do you not have to know everything, but it is advantageous for the guys who work for you to know you don't know everything because now yeah. they get to be an asset to you, which is what everybody wants. They want to be an asset. They want to be valued by those around them, peers and supervisors, right? They yes. want to feel like they contribute to the success of the organization. And there's no better way to do that than, than to let them have the answers <laughs> and share them with you. Hey, just me here cutting in for a quick break. Have you subscribed to the podcast yet? If not, you need to. I'm going to be dropping some more episodes here over the coming weeks, and I don't want you to miss a single one. I've got some awesome guests lined up that I'm sure you're going to want to hear from. So please go to wherever it is that you prefer to listen to podcasts and subscribe to the show. Right now, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Castro, iHeartRadio, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Podchaser, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and Amazon. Now, if there's a place that you prefer to listen to podcasts that wasn't on that list, would you please email me at adam at psi.chat and let me know what that is. I'd be happy to submit the show to that directory. All right, let's go ahead and jump back into the show. Well, 
just a minute ago, you had mentioned how you were transitioning or had transitioned this year because of COVID to doing some of your training online. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd I'd love it if you could tell us some more about that. And how are you able to accomplish some of these same things that you're doing in person in an online environment? I imagine because of the, uh, the personal nature of the, that sort of a training that that's a little bit complex. It is complex. And I'll tell you when we first transitioned, we got a decent amount of pushback of, we don't want to go online. It's not going to work. We don't want to watch some 1980s scenario, uh, you know, green screen thing. Um, (laughs) Which is why we don't do it that way because that also sounds terrible to me. So we actually expanded to get the same kind of personal touch and actually better results. I'm not getting rid of our online. Um, It's actually probably going to be a driving force in 2021 because we've seen the results and I think it's actually better. So that six or eight hour workshop, we've turned into a six week training course. So now we, it's very informal. So we get to have those personal conversations. We hop on zoom with everybody. We deliver the training. We do it there live. So they have access to a chat box and can ask questions and things like that. And we also record it because now we get to have individuals on all shifts, all time zones, you know, all parts of their career development. And so if you don't catch it live, you get to watch it, the recording the next day. So you don't ever miss anything, which is really awesome. And then as we implement together, we come back and we do a customized coaching piece to it. We come back and we coach a few days later and say, hey, this is the training you received. You implemented it. How did it work out? Pros and cons. Um, What do you need from us? How do we adjust moving forward? We make those adjustments and then they get to practice it for the rest of the week before you go on to the next training segment. So uh, instead of getting this information dump from eight to five, we get to piece it together. Here's the training. Here's your call to action. Go implement. You know, you know how to get a hold of us. Here's how we're going to, you know, check in and guide you and coach you along the way. Okay, now let's make adjustments. How's everyone doing? Okay, week two. Here's your new training. Here's your new call to action. And the results were significantly more positive than they were doing a one-day workshop. Wow, that's really neat. So kind of a silver lining, if you will, to to dealing with COVID. And it actually mm-hmm. helped you improve the training that you're delivering. Yeah, I mean, the training is better. It's, you know, we, uh, even better, not only did we have COVID, but when we launched, it was, I don't know, maybe two weeks before George Floyd. So yeah. then we have these guys, Hey, I can't make training. You know, of course we've got this right in the city, you know, whatever. Cause we had some pretty major cities, um, involved in our, in that class. So working with that, we were able to give that extra push of, okay, we're not there with you, but what did you learn? How can we apply this? How can we be proactive? How can we influence the guy standing, you know, aligned next to us right now? What can we do? So we get to, you know, utilize it in real time, no matter what's coming their way, which not only challenged us, I think as instructors, but it really proved to them, oh wait, I can use this immediately and it does work. And, you know, two guys who said, I think I'm going to leave, you know, why would I stay in law enforcement? Not only did they stay with their agencies, they're now taking on more leadership responsibilities within their agencies. So it's been awesome. is a hard thing right now. (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah. It's quite the <laughs> <a> challenge. <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest and, and say that while I miss the camaraderie and being in law enforcement after having been in that career for 15 years, uh, there's a lot of things that I miss about it. I could sit here and list it out. Uh, but there's also a side of me that's uh, glad that I'm not involved in what they're having to deal with right now. And Mm -hmm. my heart really goes out for, for all the uh, law enforcement officers in our country that uh, are still on the job. Uh, You know, my most heartfelt support for them uh, and, and what they're doing and, and the, just the type of determination that it takes for them to carry on right now when it's, sort of negativity coming from all sides. And in some of these places, 
it's it's coming from within their own leadership that they're getting uh, beat down and exactly. and just negative uh, lack of support. So it's coming from the community in some ways and their own leadership. And you know, I know that it can probably feel quite discouraging. And uh, I, I guess I would just say right now that I think that the I know that the majority of our country does not feel that way and is very supportive of of our law enforcement. And uh, I thank you for um, being right there in the trenches with them right now as, as they're going through these sort of things. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad that we're able to help in a time. I think law enforcement needs it now more than ever, you know, they take care of everybody else and no one takes care of them, which is really a driving force. When I started this company and when I brought some of my partners on, because, you know, we have done those things, right? We've been to the hard calls. We've, you know, been in the shootings, you know, we've done all the hard and kind of like you, when everything started breaking out this year, I had that moment of, I should be there. You know, those are my friends who are getting hurt. Those are people I know. And then at the same time, it was almost that immediate gratitude of, and instead life took me here and I am sitting at home having dinner with all my babies right now. You know, it's, it's definitely um, a push and pull, at least for me a little bit of, I want to be there, but also I'm so glad I'm not. Um, yeah. You know, and it, it, it is difficult and I, I can't imagine because we're, we're not in it at the moment. Um, but they, uh, they do need some positive reinforcement, right? They need some support. They need some help. And I'm just glad that those that have, trusted me and trusted my training partners. I'm grateful. They've said, okay, well, we'll be coachable. We li- we'll listen to you even when things are hard. Um, and they stuck to it. You know, they kept coming in for training, even though they were working, you know, 22, 26 hour shifts and they were beaten up and tired. They were still, you know, full, full speed ahead as far as training goes. And that's the, that's the heart of law enforcement that maybe isn't seen by everybody, but it's definitely the type of person you're getting in there. Yeah. So what would you say are, are some of the, the biggest misconceptions that are out there related to leadership in general? From the leader's perspective, I would say the biggest one is that transparency and vulnerability aren't weakness. I think especially in such a strong paramilitary, uh, you know, type setup that it actually makes you a stronger leader. If you can acknowledge and admit your mistakes and if you can be vulnerable and if you can truly listen to input and guidance from those around you, but it's definitely that. and, And I've seen it in my training it's that cultural shift. It's that attitude shift of, well, this is the way we've always done it. Or I have this rank, you know, they have to work their way up. I mean, rank has its place without a doubt. Um, but it's not everything, right? You still need to develop. You still need to be vulnerable, be vulnerable and be authentic with your guys, regardless of what your formal rank is. So it makes you a better leader if you can open that door and open that communication. Yeah, I agree. What do you think then? I mean, there's obviously a fear that's related to that innate response of not having that transparency, right? So we're being guarded about something. What is what is that fear? What what is bringing that uh, to to light? So what I have learned about fear this year, because we open our training with this: of what are your fears? And everyone kind of talks through it. And once we actually, after we say what the fear is, once we actually break it down, I would say 99% of fears are actually about what other people will think of me. It doesn't matter how they say it the first time, but it's, well, I have a fear that I'm not leading. Well, it's actually, will they think I don't deserve this position? Well, it's actually, I, you know, will they think, this of my decision-making. So we 
spend. And I don't think that's a public safety issue. I think that's a human issue. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's everywhere. We spend so much time worried about what everyone else thinks of us when really everyone else is just trying to figure out their own day right now. <laughs> you yeah. know, they're not losing sleep over how you're doing. They're trying to figure out their own process and their own stuff. So if we can break down those barriers and say, okay, we're all a work in progress. We're all trying to figure it out. What's the desired end result? And then work together. You start eliminating a lot of those fears. And then long-term, you eliminate a lot of your toxic leadership issues because so much of that toxicity comes from leadership through fear where they're trying to compensate for their own personal fears. Do you feel like I would be accurate to sum that up as uh, imposter syndrome? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I can, I can tell you, you know, I, I've, I experienced that myself. My uh, path to leadership is very unique and different uh, to, to many in, in law enforcement. Uh, you know, I, I went right from being a, uh, a senior level deputy a deputy two in a relatively large size agency. I mean, not obviously New York city large, but for, for the state of Colorado, large agency and went straight to being the undersheriff in a medium sized law enforcement agency. And, you know, there was, there was certainly a sense of imposter syndrome there while I was confident in my skill and my knowledge and how to do the job uh, and, and, and to do it well. Uh, you know, my knowledge of, of CRS and, and all of those things and how to conduct a, a proper investigation uh, and, and how to lead people even, there was still a sense of imposter syndrome there where, you know, I didn't take the right path or, you know, I, I jumped too many ranks and people are going to find me out as, as some sort of imposter. And that was kind of the negativity that went through my head when in reality, that just wasn't true. And so I used that, that, that became an excuse for me to not achieve what I needed to achieve and be at my best. Mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of people go through that. And even if they're not progressing in rank, maybe it's a special assignment. Maybe it's just a, an informal, you know, shift in responsibility, um, whatever it may be. But that goes back to not being proactive in our own self-reflection or not being proactive in our own mission, you know, especially in the law enforcement space, everyone is so task oriented, right? And there's such a high level of duty there, but we won't apply it to our, to our personal, you know, dedication, our personal mission of why am I here? How do I get better? How do I move forward? And I mean, like you, it's, if we, you know, I stepped into training law enforcement um, very young, and I know that some people really like my training, and I have been told to my face that sometimes I walk in a room and they're pissed that I'm there. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's been said to me at conferences. I mean, there's not a lot of middle ground um, because I did just a handful of years. I worked for a large city agency, but I did just seven years. Um and then I was training command staff, you know, in my 20s. So uh, the fact that I'm in the training space and I happen to be a woman and most people are pretty much twice my age. And uh, I've had those challenges of I've been doing this job longer than you've been alive. What are you going to teach me? Right. And I could either say, oh, my gosh, you're right. What am I going to teach you? Like, I don't know. Or. I could self-reflect and acknowledge my own strengths and weaknesses and say, you know, what I can teach you is I can help adjust that mindset right there because who you're recruiting right now is actually 10 years younger than me, you know, so let me help you with that. You know, who you're yeah. retaining right now, you know, the guys who are my age, they're your supervisors at least, you know, I mean, if not, I mean, if not higher than that, you know, in the command staff. So like, you just have to put a different spin on it. But I think being aware of that imposter syndrome and then taking that daily self-reflection time, not only where you need to improve, but where you are really successful, you know, where your expertise does lie and how you can be an asset to those around you. That's just as critical 
for your career and your own development as anything else. Absolutely. Well, you may have kind of touched on it already just there, but one of the next questions I wanted to ask you about was what are, if any, perceived barriers or obstacles that you run into from law enforcement agencies uh, as they consider you know, bringing you in to work with their staff? Mm-hmm. Um, if I use words like personal development or mindset or growth, it's actually, it tends to be a huge turnoff for law enforcement. I think one, because it's not the norm, right? It's not, I don't do in-service training. That's not what I do. There's plenty of that. It's important, but it's not what I do. Um, and then the second is, I think it is viewed as warm and fuzzy. And we don't do that. That's not how we function. Where I have to actually preface some of my training, especially when we go into our positive psychology stuff and a lot of our mindfulness things. It's, hey, this isn't about hugging it out and like sitting in a cry room and like, we're not going to do that. This is psychology. I mean, my, my academic side is neuroscience based. So I can put okay. that object, I can put that objective scientific piece in there and say, this isn't my opinion. It's not about hugging. It's not about feelings. This is about how your brain works and what we need to do to train your brain to make you better. Um, but I have to get over those biases and everyone else's own misconceptions of what mindset training is and what personal development really entails. Absolutely. And so how, how are you overcoming those things right up front? I give them the objective breakdown, you know, and I do change my verbiage. You know, I say, Hey, we're going to work on generations and neural leadership. I'm going to tell you exactly why you're different and how we make you better. You know, I'm going to give you these, these tools and strategies that are proven. And then once we're in training, what I have found and I've been told is that because myself or my training partners, we all come from law enforcement. So I'm not a dig on psychologists. You know, I've got my academics there too, but I'm not coming to you as a psychologist saying, here's how you should be. Um, I'm coming to you as someone who has done that job. I'm coming to you with my training partners who are retired commanded staff who have sat in your seat and looked through your lens. And now we're telling you how we can apply this training because we know firsthand exactly what you guys are doing. And I think that's really what turns a lot of perceptions and really gets a lot of buy-in for our training as they're like, okay, you're like, you're one of us. Maybe we'll listen to you now. <laughs> you know, now we get where you guys are coming from. And that's a huge rapport building piece um, for my whole training staff. I mean, essentially, your belief is that public safety agencies are stifling their own growth and progress because mm -hmm. of negative cultures and outdated leadership. And so through your training courses, you are working to produce leaders within these organizations that possess a growth mindset so that these agencies can increase morale and retention. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. We're, we're creating better people who are behind the badge for you. You know, you can, you can teach people how to handcuff and drive and, you know, read code and all those things. That's not where law enforcement is struggling. That's not really what, that's not what drives a negative culture. And that's not what law, like it's law enforcement in trouble. It's the people behind the badge who may or may not be as developed as they could be. So that's where we focus. So how did you become so passionate about this? Well, I mean, tell us a little bit about your background. Where did, where did you gain these skills yourself? And how did you become focused on the mission of training leaders? Yeah, it's, it definitely hits home. Um, it is, like you said, a true passion of mine. So I worked for two agencies. The first one, a large city agency, you know, straight out of college, the one I wanted to go to, everything else. Um, Married my Marine, so a handful of years later, we got orders to another state. And uh, I 
wasn't ready for the next agency. I went from a large, you know, city agency of, I mean, not like New York, but you know, 900 to a thousand of us, um, where we were very connect, very active. And then I went to a small agency of top to bottom 25 people. Um, and I was their first female officer. So we had a lot of challenges. They had never hired a lateral transfer before. Um, so I had a lot of challenges come my way and that, and I, I hate to say it, it's actually why I don't talk about the agency often. Um, but it was all the toxic pieces of culture and all the corruption that I had ever heard and read about put into one agency, unfortunately. Um, I mean, to the point where I had criminal charges on my entire command staff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. didn't, didn't take them out because that's not what I'm about. I just moved on. Um, but seeing that I went from one agency where I couldn't wait to get up in the morning and go to work, you know, no matter how long my shift was prior to the other one where the culture truly became a cancer in my life, right? It affected me as an officer, affected me as a person. Um, the eye-opening day of my husband saying, you're not fun to be married to anymore, you know, so it really created toxic in all aspects of my life. So I left law enforcement and pretty much said, okay, if this happened to me, I know I'm not alone. This is happening to people who had a love for the job, who wanted to, you know, make a 20, 30 year career out of it. This is happening all over the country. So how do I fix it? Um, And that's when I really started studying um, more of my in-depth leadership, bringing in a lot of the psychology and neuroscience of leadership. You know, I'm back in school again. I mean, I just continue to develop there and continue to train because somebody has to at least make an attempt at fixing it because I don't want anybody else to feel the way I did or to go through what I did when they're really just trying to be great at their job and love what they do. Well, as odd as this sounds, I'm, I'm grateful that you had that experience. Oh, no, uh, I, am too. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because I think what you're doing is really awesome and it is, is, it is powerful and it is useful and it is certainly beneficial to the industry that I love so much uh, and respect and care about. Uh, the people that are in it and will be in it in the future. Um, and I just think what you're doing is so positive for it that, you know, yeah, that negative experience you went through sucks. And I'm sorry you had to go through that, but I'm glad that you did so that you could bring uh, what you're bringing to the table. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, it was definitely, a, you know, turned it into a blessing. And you know what? Now I still get to influence law enforcement, still going to hang out with them, but. I get to work from home and, you know, have the family, the family dynamics that I do. So it turned out for the best for sure. Yeah. I want you to kind of put yourself in the shoes of, let's say there's a a public safety uh, leader that's listening to the show right now. And they're curious about what you have to offer and whether or not um, they should uh, consider bringing you into their agency what is the single most important question that that person should be asking themselves right now as they consider this? Do they want to see change? Are they ready to commit to the hard part of creating positive change in their agency? I mean, it's not, it's not an easy process and you know, my training and my instructors, they're not for everybody. I 100% know that we are to the point, we are brash, we are hard. Um, You know, like my one partner says, we're not cheerleaders, we're coaches. We, you know, see how hard we can push you because it's good for you. Um, And that's just the kind of training we do because I know that it works. You know, it's not because we're mean. It's not because we're, you know, we want to see you squirm in your seat. It's really not my favorite part. Um, But if you're ready for change, if you want to see things get better, even if things are good, right? If you're just really trying to go from good to exceptional and you want that challenge, then that's something that my company can help with. Awesome. 
Well, before we go, I know you kind of gave me a little bit of a sneak peek earlier into something new that you're working on that I think is really neat. And, and I'd love it if you'd share with the rest of the audience here. You started a new uh, nonprofit here recently, right? Yes, brand new. Um, like not cleared by the IRS yet, brand new. <laughs> oh, should, should we even be talking um, about this? No, no, no. <laughs> no, no they, they already took my money. They better approve it. <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> um, no, it's, um, you know, it, it'll be live in probably this weekend. But the nonprofit was started by um, my husband, he's a retired Marine. Um, Jared Hardy, my primary training and business partner, and then myself. Um, it is called Operation Phalanx, and Phalanx meaning the Spartan, um, the Spartan formation of creating unity and being strong in numbers and protecting all sides um, from anything you know in or out. And so, Operation Phalanx, we serve first responders and veterans. Um, obviously all three of us having worn a uniform and my husband and Jared both retiring. So we've taken our personal knowledge and we want to take care of our own basically, right? We still have a love for first responders and veterans. They're near and dear to my heart as well as theirs. So all of the funds we bring in are going to building leadership capacity and quality of life for everybody in those, um, in those audiences, whether that means training that your agency can't get, especially now with COVID and with defunding. Um, I know personally from the business side that there are not training dollars out there. So we're going to go find them for you. Um, so getting the training that you need, getting housing for disabled vets and courtesy officers, getting counseling or, you know, either psychological or substance abuse issues for anybody in those audiences. Um, and really anything in between, I mean, really filling in those nooks and crannies of what do you need? And if it's not on our list, then come to us and tell us what's missing and we'll go out and hunt down the funds for you. Because I just, I don't believe that those who have served our communities and served our countries and risked so much, they shouldn't be going without and we should be taking care of them. So that's what we've started. Um, really just to take care of those who serve everybody else. I love that. And is there somewhere people can go right now to find out more information about that? Or is that kind of coming soon? That is coming soon. As soon as I finish having the website built. <laughs> so I'll make sure to punch that out. Um, but I do have, you know, my own social media and my own website that of course everyone can follow and get updates there as well. Well, as long as you went there, why don't you go ahead and just take a minute here to kind of tell everybody, where can we find you? How do we get in touch and how do we learn more about what you have to offer? Absolutely. So my website is mindsetenterprise.net. Um, you'll see everything you need there. Of course, it's linked to my email um, and a number for me as well. So get in touch with me any way you prefer. I communicate all those ways. And then LinkedIn is probably my primary. That's Carrie Wooten. And I'm real Carrie Wooten everywhere else as far as Facebook and Instagram and all the fun stuff. Awesome. And of course, I will go ahead and put links to all of those in the show notes for this episode. And I would also encourage everybody, uh, if you haven't done so already, head over to Facebook and look up the private group that we set up uh, called Public Safety Innovators. And the purpose of that group is we want to build a community together where we can put folks like you that are interested in connecting with innovative ideas like what Carrie and her team have put together. Uh, we want to connect you guys in a single place and offer you a place where you can share ideas, ask questions, learn more about everything that our innovators, our guests on our show have to offer. So head over there. Again, the Facebook group is called Public Safety Innovators. Uh, Carrie is a member of that group already. And so if you go ahead and join, there's just a few questions to make sure that um, we're only letting people into the group that are actually in public safety, private security industries. Um, but otherwise, we'll let you in and you guys can connect in that space as well. 
All right, Carrie. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show. I think this has been an awesome, awesome episode and uh, looking forward to hearing more about what you do, not only with Mindset Enterprise, uh, but with the uh, nonprofit as well. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. It was awesome. Glad you're starting this podcast for all of us and happy to be on. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out this episode of Public Safety Innovators Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please head over to my website at publicsafetyinnovatorspodcast.com or simply psi.chat where you can check out episode notes and other episodes from the show. While you're there, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or really anywhere else that you prefer to listen to podcasts. I would greatly appreciate if you could help other people find the show by leaving a review wherever it is that you prefer to listen to the show. I'd love to hear from you. If you have feedback about the show, a suggestion on a guest, or maybe you're a public safety innovator yourself and would like to be a guest on the show, please head over to my contact page on the website and you can submit that information there or just email me at adam at psi.chat. All right, I'll catch you on the next episode.